Dunks After Dusk Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Flavin, here as always with my co-host, Mitch Peterson. Welcome. <laughs> so, Mitch, exciting today for the first time since we started the podcast, we get to talk about actual basketball that we've been able to watch. Yes. Actual, t- yes, Timberwolves players actually playing. Um, specifically, we'll talk, you know, talk a bit about Ant and his current experience, I believe, through three games with FIBA. So, Mitch, you've had a chance to watch... Uh, most of the games, it sounds like, thus far. Mm-hmm. What are your initial reactions to seeing Anthony Edwards playing on the international stage? What do you think of his performance, the team as a whole? Let's uh, let's get some thoughts from what you've seen thus far from some FIBA basketball. As far as Ant, um, it has just been really fun seeing... You know, I think he is our closer. I think he is the guy on the team, specifically this last game against Spain, you know, in a in kind of a two and a half minute stretch when the game was still, I believe, within five or six, kind of late fourth quarter, he yeah goes baseline, gets a ridiculous reverse layup to score, draws a foul on the next one and gets to the line on the next offensive possession, and then fights over a screen, blocks a three pointer, and gets a transition dunk on the next one. Um, and so you see these glimpses of Ant, and I I will say, and my issue with Ant even though it's hard to have an issue with Ant, is like he disappears for stretches of games and he does it for the T-Wolves and he absolutely does it for, for this U.S. team where he's on the floor and it's like you don't notice him. Yeah. Yeah, I think being on the on a team that has been together now for just three games and, you know, a week or whatever of training camp, probably be my expectation to see even these all-star players all kind of fade in and out of their impact on games because it's such new roles for each of them because i think back to watching the game against puerto rico like as i was watching that game there'd be times where right brunson is is taking the majority of the pick and roll he's clearly generating offense then you'd have the stretch where all of a sudden it was and then you'd have a stretch where they're clearly isoing ingram and ingram was getting it more but it seemed like every player with the way it's set right now kind of by necessity has to fade now like ant was our leading scorer last game with 15 right uh, no, Brunson, I think, got... He was hot. Brunson got over 20, but Ant was the leader, okay. I think, of the first two, potentially. Maybe that just also is a part of international basketball with 10-minute quarters, with all these all-stars, that you are, at least on the offensive end, by necessity, going to ebb and flow in terms of your involvement. But then the question is, defensively, can you stay engaged? Do you have any, you know, very lackluster moments? And that's one for me, at least from, you know, what I've seen, especially watching the first game closely, watching more highlights from the other one. I didn't see a lot of Ant fading on defense. And uh, well, how about for you for watching watching all three of them a little more closer? Were there moments where you could tell he was drifting out of out of focus, or did he stay pretty locked he in? Had, I mean, he had some, which I I don't think it was egregious. It didn't stand out. I mean, I would say he's been, I'd say him and Jaron Jackson Jr. have been our best defenders so far on the team. Yeah, I was going to ask that. Do you think Ant is the best perimeter defender, if Jackson obviously is your interior guy? Um, I think when Bridges locks it in, he can be special too, for sure. Um, yeah, but yeah, I would say, I mean, Ant right now is 
he's doing that thing where people can't shoot around him, can't dribble around him, you know, when he locks in. So no, I'd say he's probably, I would say he has been our best perimeter defender through three games. Yeah. I mean, Spain was the number one seeded team, right? Like going into the tournament. Yeah. They, their continuity is really great. They've got guys. That was the thing that stood out to me is like, they just know their role, you know? Yeah. They have a bunch of guys that seem to know what to do. And we are just a bunch of hyper athletes and young kids. And that's where, you know, you're going to rely a lot on coaching, I think, with, with our unbelievable coaching staff. It's super well-respected and well-known. But, yeah, you're going to need a player to, to decide to be that leader. And my best bet is that it's going to be Brunson. It's He seems to be doing most of that in terms of on-court play. But I think our team would be better if it was Ant. And that's obviously biased because yeah. I'm a Timberwolves fan. But <laughs> but Ant, Ant has a ceiling that nobody else on that team has um, outside yeah. of maybe... Mikhail Bridges because I've just seen Bridges get hot and, and be a really really great two-way player but um, but I don't think anybody would argue that the ceiling of Ant is higher than the ceiling of anybody else on that team and he's gonna have to yeah. be special when the games get competitive and close and stuff talking talking a lot of Ant I know I don't think either of us have had a chance to watch you know France or, or Canada play but I would be remiss if I didn't mention Nikhil Alexander-Walker and what he's done for Canada. I've seen some highlights on there. And then if I saw this stat line correctly, I believe you sent it to me. I did. <laughs> Look at it here. He had a game of 39 points, 12 assists, 9 rebounds, 10 stocks, no turnovers, shot 62% from the field, and 100% from the free throw line. That's uh, that's not bad. I need a cigarette after that. That's <laughs> yeah, <it's> intense. <laughs> well, other other Timberwolves news we should we should talk about. Uh, just uh, two days ago, I believe, we had Nas Reed and, and Mike Conley sailing in on, on a boat on Lake Minnetonka to present us with some new Timberwolves jerseys. Yep. Mitch, let me, on a score of 1 to 10, where, where are you at when you, saw, when you saw the jerseys? I like the idea a lot. I'm probably 7.5 to 8 out of 10 on them. Um, okay. The statement ones, I don't know, last year's too, I didn't like them right away and they really grew on me as well. Um, I like some of the details and stuff on here on, on the new ones, like the back of it. I really like, um, the shorts look cool. You got like the Jersey or the wolves, that new wolves logo on the side of them and stuff. So no, I think, I think it will hopefully grow on me a little bit. I have them right now below last year's statement jerseys and, you know, below the Prince okay. ones. And, you know, there's some other ones that jump out that I like more. Um, I would continue to love more of a nod to like our older jerseys and some of the throwbacks and stuff like you've seen phoenix do some of that and philly's done some of that where they go like retro jerseys yeah i believe we have one of those coming this year i believe that there is going to be a, a throwback yep yeah as well. so i i don't know but i yeah I, seven and a half i i'll go final final grade of seven and a half for now how about you yeah, I'm gonna put it. At, I'm gonna put it at an eight to begin with. I really, I love the colors that are there. The as you mentioned, the back of the jersey when you actually got a close look at that made me like it a ton more. But I have to see see it on the players and in the arena, and then I want to see the court design as well. It seems like you could do some really fun things with those colors on the court, and you know the design of like the water and all that could be could look really awesome. So yeah. gonna gonna hold off a final final verdict. You know, just like the statement jerseys that you mentioned last year, where I I like those. 
you know, pretty early on. And I really liked them when you actually saw them in person. Like, I'd, you know, end up getting some some merch with those with those jersey designs on them. So yeah, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm an easy, I'm an easy win. I'm going to like everything. <laughs> I don't think I'm, I'm going to be that critical of jerseys, except for the, what is it? The, the light green ones just never liked oh, and then like the didn't like jerseys? them at first. Nope. I didn't like them at first. And then I especially didn't like them when I saw them in person and like, as looking in stores at jerseys and things like that. I was like, nope, doesn't do it for me. That might be the only one where I had a strong negative opinion. So yeah, I'm a pretty easy mark for, for jerseys. <laughs> All right. Well, we ready to to hit the hit the big topic of the day? Let's do it. Let's jump in. Let's get deep. Let's get serious. Today, Mitch and I are going to therapy. So, Mitch and I as your elective kind of fan representatives here, we're going to go into our our couples therapy and we're going to work through and talk through what I deem to be five of some of the biggest issues that kind of came up with the team over the last year, at least it goes beyond this last year, but some of those things really kind of came to the surface. So five steps to repair a relationship from good therapy. So our five steps that we're going to hit on, we're going to hit on acknowledging, uh, we're going to hit on our intentions, might be some apologizing in, in the middle, then some learning. What can we learn from this? And then repairing. What are the steps now that we can take going forward? So we're going to be looking through the lens of being part of Wolves fandom and interacting with this franchise where there's been a lot of hurt and pain, maybe some anger, some resentment that might be, you know, just boiling underneath the surface. And we're going to talk through that a little bit today. So Mitch, any any thoughts before we begin this therapy journey together? I think you and I interact with the team in a different way. Um, and that's, you know, a lot of life experience probably goes into that as well. So there are ways I think that we, we do it differently. Hopefully we can give some good perspectives from a couple different types of Timberwolves fans um, as far as that goes. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I think it'd be interesting to dive into some of this stuff and see kind of how we how we differ because, yeah, <laughs> we're two very different people. Yep. Yeah. So but no, let's let's get into yeah. it. Let's do it. So the first step is the step of acknowledgement. So first, I want to ask a question with that. Do you think that there is a an issue between the Wolves fandom and the franchise in terms of there being something lingering, something underneath the surface, some element or like bit of unhappiness using just using just an example a lot of the the beat writers this year mentioned specifically John Krasinski you know mentioned this being a really rough year to to cover the team just a lot of that was interaction with the fans online I think if you are a purveyor of you know comment sections you go on Timberwolves Reddit going on Canis Hoopus there just in general seems to be a little bit more toxicity within the fandom, just a little bit more anger. And maybe that's based on expectations. We'll dive into more of that later. But Mitch, do you think that there is something feeling a little off right now between the fandom and the franchise? Last year to me felt, felt off for sure. Mainly just with the, the juxtaposition between the year before with kind of overachieving a little bit, Winning the playoff game, you know, Pat Beverly, kind of the, this ascension of, you know, getting to the playoffs and vibes were super high. You got rid of some fan favorites in Vando and Bev and some of these guys that play hard and, and try to get energy up and you brought in Rudy. And I don't think it's a huge, I don't think Rudy meshed with the fans well this year, meshed with even his team great this year. There was a lot of conversations when D'Lo left about how that was going and I think writers 
did a good job of artfully working around it, but there was plenty of read, reading between the lines about, yeah, this it wasn't a successful first year from a team standpoint either in terms of how they were meshing. So an issue with the fans of the team and an issue with the team about that as well. And so it's hard when there's this heavy expectation and sort of fog of of waiting for failure um, and, 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 and having that negativity that felt palpable a lot of this year. So... Yeah, I, I don't know. How, how about you? Do you feel like it's, is it different than years past? Does it just feel like a another reiteration of a franchise of failure and, and learning how to cope with that? Yeah, this year felt different to me from, from other years. I think that there is a long-running negativity, uh, cynicism that's kind of baked into being a Minnesota sports fan between the incredible Twins losses in the playoffs that they've had that long series now. I'm not a huge baseball guy, but what we're going on like 20 plus years of losing the first round whenever they make it. You've got obviously the Vikings heartbreak and all the times of getting so close and then these very memorable losses. And then you have the Timberwolves, what was at one point the losingest franchise in men's sports history um, and all the, you know, in all the major, major four in the U.S. And so you have you have that kind of like general, uh, you know, we're we're flyover country. We're 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 nothing special anyways. Um, but this year it, it really seemed to turn like negative and, and angry in a way that it hadn't before, um, especially in regards to some of the interactions, I think, with the players and how fans talked about players, how fans interacted with players. And then for me, being at games, the feeling in the arena was seemed to always be this fight against apathy. What what was your arena experience like this year when, when you went to games? We went to some together. What would you describe the atmosphere in, in Target Center being like? I think it started really strong. It seemed like energy was super high before Kat got hurt and Rudy was new. And going back to last year, we had conversations where I, I think I said, you know, if we stay healthy, which was always a big caveat, but, I mean, there's no reason we shouldn't be a top three, four seed in the West. There, there's just no. So I think it started so high. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think it's. I think it's earned. I think the team earned <laughs> the reaction they got from the fans. To be honest, I guess. Um, you know, kind of constant middling five hundred team all year long, where they they told us who they were pretty early on this year. And and I, so I do think the experience in the arena was expecting the worst. I think it was a little apathetic and I, you know, would argue that that was fair because I think that's how our team was. I think our team was expecting the worst. I think our team was apathetic a lot of the times. I think our team was leaderless. I think our team was blaming a lot and being negative. You know, I, so I, I thought it mirrored the product we got on the floor as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, with that, that's probably a good transition point to talking about fans responsibility and their in intention. So intention is the second part of, of therapy here and talking about why did you do something that you did? And so this brings me back to the conversation um, that was going on pretty early in the season with Rudy Gobert in particular and fans booing and, and booing at games. And so I'm going to read Rudy Gobert's quote and, you know, I want to talk about this a little bit to see, you know, what do you think? Is Rudy, is Rudy right on here? Are, are the fans missing something or, or what? So Gobert being asked about basically the booing that was taking place in in one of their games and he had this to say he said I just don't appreciate people that come in to boo your team 
When you're a fan, you got to support your team in the tough or the good moments. There's no team in NBA history that only had good moments. So if you're going to support us in the tough moments, just stay home. I think if you're going to embrace us in the tough moments, then come and then we're going to love the support. Is Rudy right? Or are the fans doing something wrong when they're coming to games and and they're booing? Uh, Or is Rudy missing something here that he doesn't understand about being being a fan and much less being a, a Minnesota fan? I don't I don't think that Rudy's right. That's a pretty optimistic view of fans and, and the team in general, where it's like it's always gonna be positive. You know, fans I suppose are entitled to act however they want and they're allowed to boo. I think that it's a little delusional to think that's gonna change anything on the court, you know? Um I don't personally believe me booing is going to inspire Rudy to reach new heights because he doesn't want to get booed. Like I think if you're in that boat as a player, you're already screwed. Like your mentality isn't right, anyways. Um, you know, if if someone booing is gonna is gonna make all that much of a difference. So, I don't know. I think that people are allowed to boo. I personally don't think it changes anything. You know, I think these are professionals doing a job that they're compensated very well to do. I think that they have intrinsic motivation to be great because they made it this far to some extent. Yeah, I th- I think I I disagree with you a little bit on that it shouldn't have any effect on on the players. Not in the sense that it should change, maybe like, you know, change the way you play. Like you said, Rudy doesn't all of a sudden go for, you know, a triple-double now that he's heard this. But I do think that it's one of the few ways that a fan base can immediately, in the arena, let the team know that what's going on is unacceptable. And and for me, when I was at games this year, when, when there was booing, and I'm not a huge booer by any means, but... If there's something like I was at the uh, New Year's Eve game against the Detroit Pistons where they just could care less, right? And this is when the team was trying to rebound from some big struggles. And I think that it is in some ways like a fan's job to basically say, wake up. <laughs> like, do you see what's going on here? Like, especially for, for Timberwolves fans, like we've we've been through it. We've been through the long, long seasons of lack of effort and lack of meaning probably know it way better than most of the players on the court do. Right? They've had bad seasons, all of them, but they haven't had <laughs> 10, 20, 30 years of, of a franchise that can be really prone to falling into this trap of um, nothingness. To me, it's like a plea to the team to wake up from their stupor. Like, And again, using the Pistons game as an example, because that's one where I remember there being loud booing. Like, hey, you should be kicking this team's butt, but instead you are being lackadaisical on defense. You are playing iso ball on offense. It seems like everybody's worried about their stats. Nobody's playing team basketball. You don't change us right now. The season is going to go down the hill very fast. And I believe that was the game after that, where they had the players only meeting and all that stuff happen. To me, I think it's actually like a, a necessity for fans to do that when it's bad, when it gets really bad, which I think there were times this year where it was really, really bad. I just don't know that it, I don't know. I I just, I think that's a very high view of fans, you know, where it's like, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. I guess I wouldn't, if I was a professional athlete, I don't know that I would view it as like, all right, we're in this together, you know, like we're equal parts of this thing. We're not like, I'm the one playing, I'm the (laughs) one doing, you know, I'll listen to my coaches, I'll listen to my teammates, but like. A fan booing me isn't gonna shouldn't be the thing that's telling me I'm playing lackadaisical. And I, w- I guess I, my other comment to that would be, you know, if I'm in a relationship with someone and they're not doing something I like, 
I don't. I don't. I don't know that. I don't know that me booing at my wife is going to get the desired effect. Um, but even even just that negativity and stuff, it's like I just would tend to think that there's other ways to do that. Um, that would be equally as effective as a fan, which in my mind is zero effective. You know, to to spend that energy elsewhere. Isn't that the only way, though, for fans, you know, again, using the relationship model, you're not going to boo our spouses, but isn't that the only way for fans in some ways to communicate directly how they're feeling, especially if you're in arena, like you, you're, you're cheering and you're loud and supportive, um, especially like if the team's playing well, even if, even if they're missing shots, right? But if they're playing hard, you're cheering, you're trying to get them, you're chanting defense, all these things to get them going. But then if you go a two, three quarter stretch, right, you get in the second and third quarter and they are just you can just see it right you can tell when when players aren't engaged and the team's not engaged and they're letting a a worse team you know pick up momentum especially last year with the team's record against all these bad teams isn't that one of the only ways that you can actually have any kind of line of communication with the players is hey we're unhappy here you guys got to pick it up you're better than this do something like obviously goes beyond just like booing in and of itself can have can go beyond just the simplicity of saying boo but you're trying to communicate trying to influence or connect with the players in some way and i know maybe you're saying you don't think it should be able to but right like crowds have can have an effect whether it's cheering or or you know or booing in this case at least in at least a little bit i would say yeah maybe yeah i don't i don't <laughs> i don't know i don't know that that's a fan's role i guess which it sounds like it's maybe just a fundamental difference between us is like i don't i don't think that it's my role to motivate it professional athlete to do their job better um i really yeah. don't I, I i don't think that that because i'm an idiot i don't know anything about what they're doing i love basketball and i watch a ton of basketball and i you know like i would like to hope that i'm an informed fan and then i go to games and i hear some people talking I'm like oh no you shouldn't be allowed to communicate at all in public about sports <laughs> you know like you have no idea what you're talking about you you know so when that person boos to me yeah. it just feels idiotic it feels empty yeah it's funny yeah having gone to games with you i can recall exact moments where <laughs> we're sitting next to each other and you are cursing under your breath as people around you are diagnosing <laughs> very poorly <laughs> what's going on in, in the game <laughs> yeah well I just, it's i don't know it's just like the amount of you know steps removed they are from having any concept of what's happening on the floor and then like they're booing you know i don't know it's like like you yeah. said, if I if I don't like how something's going, you know, as a coach or you know, you can speak to it. You know what's happening. You know what you asked a player to do, and if they're not doing it, or if they are, but like, I don't know. Like maybe the team is doing exactly what they were told. That yeah. You know, anyways, and maybe that's maybe that's silly. And I, I there's absolutely is there. I don't I don't know. I don't know that I've ever booed a team I was cheering for. I just get apathetic, and I just mm-hmm. you know, which maybe is worse. I don't know. Um, and maybe that's my yeah. own coping mechanism and stuff, but, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I would argue that I don't think that the intention behind booing, if it's to improve the performance of the team, I just don't think it works. I think we have a lot of history mm-hmm. as Timberwolves fans saying like, you, your intention can be whatever you want. The data would seem to suggest that it doesn't change anything. Yeah. I think I have a good way to settle this. I think when you go to your job this week, you you text me when you're having like a, a day where you're like doing poor and you're not engaged, right? You're sending memes on your phone to people. You're not doing your job. I will come and I will boo you mm. at your job, and let's see if that how, what that pushes you to do. If that's gonna be like you know, oh, I'm motivated. I can't believe he booed me, or if it's just like nothing. 
Spoiler alert. <laughs> it will be nothing. <laughs> oh, now I really want to boo you at your job. Oh, I, would, I would welcome it, but it's just because I'd be happy to see you at my job. Um, but I think there's something really funny about me, like with a patient trying to help them and you standing outside the door booing. I think it would be fantastic. It's not his best effort. Yep. <laughs> I've seen him ask better questions. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I think I, there's only one way to settle this, and, and you're right. It is. That's, you know, and that's for me to shadow you. Yeah. yeah. It's great. Yep, I'll get on. I'll get on my my Scrubs Halloween costume and and follow you around for a day. Yep, and then we'll know, and then then we can then we can we'll report back next week. We, <laughs> right? We that. Yeah, I'd be I'd be really curious to hear from more fans in terms of how how they view booing as something that should be a part of of the crowd of the fan base should be a weapon or in your arsenal or really is nothing it should always be just that cheer and support if the team's doing poorly just get louder and start more you know Rudy chants instead. I'd be curious to hear kind of what that how fans feel about that but let's uh let's transition to the next one the question of or i should say the issue of apologizing and so here i'm just going to ask a straightforward question to you mitch do you think the fans owe carl anthony towns an apology for the way they've interacted with him this season for the way that i you know, lots of trade rumors surrounding cat and maybe some excitement for some fans in, in, in terms of trade what do you think? The the Carl Anthony Towns issue, I think, is a big one with this franchise and fans right now. Where where do you stand? I go back and forth on this, to be honest. I think that there are things about, especially this year, you know, if we're just talking this year, and it, it, it is difficult to extricate that sometimes from seasons past, but, you know, in, in the totality, Cat has been an, a pretty loyal player. He has given a lot to this franchise. He has been through just a lot personally i mean obviously it's well documented the stuff with his family and his mom during covid and like i mean he before this season he got so sick apparently he couldn't like hardly walk and he lost like 15 to 20 pounds and he sacrificed a bunch to try to make it work with rudy and become more of a facilitator he then gets injured and misses a ton of time and you know comes back pretty clearly not 100 percent when he does come back there's things about it that are admirable for sure I guess I can't speak for the other fans. I think in my interactions with Cat, and those haven't been positive for about two years, <laughs> um, I would say no. I would say I don't have anything to apologize for. And I don't think that's just me being proud. Like, I think that what my issues with Cat are not that he is a bad human or. Uh, you know, any like all that stuff that I just said can be true. Like, I think Cat is incredibly tough. I think Cat is, you know, like plays with a lot of effort. I think like some of the things that we haven't been able to say about, you know, a lot of members of the Timberwolves during Cat's tenure here, um, I think are, are true of Cat. So I, I I don't criticize that part of things, which I think it would be unfair. I will say my big issue with Cat is that he is. Boy, I don't want to be mean. Yeah, I'm genu- I'm going I'm going back and forth for how to say it, which which maybe means I do have something to apologize for. Um, I guess I would what I say about Cat consistently, I guess, is that my my biggest issue with Cat is that he doesn't show up in big moments. A player like that can't command as much money as Cat does because it cripples your team. Like I feel like that's been a pretty consistent thing as you and I have texted over the last couple of years and I talk with other people about it and obviously we'll get into it in, in this podcast throughout the year and stuff, but to pay a player that much money, they have to be elite when it matters. 
Um, and cat has never done that. And, and if people are, are not taking into account some of the struggles that he's had and not being fair and balanced with it, of course, I think that's, that's unbiased, but I would like to think that I've, I've tried to balance both sides of that scale. And I have found cat to be wanting, <laughs> you know, in, in terms of, and it would be very different to me if we were paying cat $15 million a year, but we're not, we're paying him yeah. upwards of $50 million a year. And so that yeah. to me would require a level of leadership and commitment and you know maturity for a team that has the aspirations that we have um that i've just never seen out of cat so i don't know yeah what, what, what do you think do you, do you feel like that's too harsh for for cat do you feel like there's there's yeah do i have do i have room for growth in that area i, I think i feel very similar to you on cat but the thing you said made me think of why Anthony Edwards is being so embraced by by the fan base and and Cat isn't because you know Ant can say some crazy things in, in in an interview as well you know he can he make comments that he you know wants to be better better than Jordan and Cat will make the comment he's already the best you know three point shooting big right they both can say some pretty like outlandish things but the difference is when it has come to to winning time when it's come to the biggest moments Ant now has a track record of showing up in, in the Memphis series in, in the, again, the majority of games showing up in the Denver series. He had a really bad game one and then he was awesome the rest of the series and gave us not a chance to win the series, but he, he's basically single-handedly won, you know, game, game four for us. And Cat had a terrible game one that series, a terrible game two, a meh game three. And then he also bounced back and had a better game four. Best thing about Cat's game in the playoffs was his defense and how I thought he guarded Nikola Jokic superbly. Like I, I thought his defense was as good as Rudy's in terms of when they would alternate on, on Jokic. And so, you know, just going back, like it, it's the, the comparison between the two. If we're just talking on court, it really does seem to be mostly about the big moments as you said like when you show up when it matters the most and an ants now two years on the team when he's been when the team has needed him in these big games he showed up and cat has a a much more tepid track record going back to the houston series his first playoff series when jimmy was on the team you know to having foul trouble in in the play-in game against the clippers i think to the lakers game he was awesome in the third quarter of the lakers playing game and then kind of just disappeared like he just didn't do much in the fourth quarter but he had maybe the best quarter of basketball we've ever seen from him in a in a big game in that in that lakers game and then not much and yeah, that, like just it, maybe maybe it's just that simple that it's when the you know team hasn't had very many meaningful games over the last you know five years, but when they've made the playoffs, one of these players has been showing up consistently, and the other one has had a really hard time in some of these bigger moments. Is it that simple? <laughs> for for me, I think it is. You know, for me, it's it's about when somebody tells you who they are, believe them, and I have a lot of data now to back up that I think cats who I think he is, you know, I don't think I'm wrong. You know, he seems willing to sacrifice things for the team and to try to be coachable and, and all those things. But, um, cat is the greatest shooting big of all time. I don't even know that that's debatable. Like cat is absolutely, I mean, I kept saying this year, cat's a top 15 offensive talent in basketball when he's right. He is unbelievably talented. Yeah. I, I might even go top top eight yeah like, like he's in terms of just he's, offensive side he's yeah. a force i mean he's a huge huge problem and so how on earth how bad does the rest of you have to be for us to be having this conversation right 
like we're both acknowledging and anybody that watches basketball i hope can acknowledge that cat is a a top top tier talent in terms of offensive arsenal and game so how on earth are fans excited to trade you you know so quickly and stuff and it's because i would say over and over and over and over and over again he's shown me who he is right he is mm-hmm. he's immature he he cannot get out of his own head he like deer in the headlights look in big moments over and over like he's just i don't know i i I'm not arguing he's not incredibly talented. I'm just saying, like, has it ever led to consistent winning basketball? And I would say no. That's not, that's not, and maybe it's because the teams have been so bad and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, then you put him on good teams that do make the playoffs, and he seems to be the one in big moments that's maybe not keeping us from succeeding, but it's sure not promoting success. It's sure not getting us to that next level. His game isn't elevated, right? Like his game, and, and I would say not only is it not elevated, I would say it takes some steps back. But that is where you see in Anthony Edwards, and we've talked about it many times already, like the playoff ant, like is a, is a player who gets in these big moments and takes another step in his game. And yeah. we we all wish for that from from Cat, which I think is an interesting thing too about being a fan. I remember we watched watching the Lakers game together at Falling Knife, and in that moment when the third quarter was happening, right, there is the fan's heart and perspective in me. is like, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the turning moment. Like, And we're, we're cheering for it, right? Like this isn't a dislike of Cat. Like, of course, we want him to succeed we want him to go and and be great and take this next step into you know his career where he doesn't have this you know the fourth quarter quote-unquote baggage or the big game baggage that goes with it but he is learning growing and being better and there is that brief glimpse in the third quarter it's like maybe this is it like maybe this is the moment where where cat gets rid of this this moniker he still hasn't and I think that I think it's fair to be to be frustrated, fair to point that out while you can balance that with, I think, all the necessary, incredible things you can say about his game, specifically his offensive game. And I'll say I, I'm encouraged by his defensive progression as well, at the point that I think he I'm expecting a good year defensively from Cat this year, too. But yeah, I, I legitimately think. I mean, I, I would say that Cat probably if healthy all year, I think Cat should make an all NBA team this year. I don't think there's any reason yeah. not to, which is insane that I would still and the next breath say, and I'd be <laughs> thrilled if we traded him, right? Like that's insane. Mm. That shouldn't make sense. Yeah. Like you're talking about, but it's just, I, I would love to be wrong as a Timberwolves fan. I'd love to be wrong. And honestly, like just as a person, like I said, cat seems like a type of person that I want to see succeed. Mm-hmm. I just, th- there hasn't been any evidence of change or growth in that. Right. I mean, he has these monster games against Memphis in the fourth quarter. Where he closed out, he was game five, like almost single-handedly hitting deep, crazy threes and step backs. It's like he's got it in him one out of every six games. And I just refuse if I was the owner of the team or the GM or whatever. It's like, I can't pay you. You know, if you'll take a sixth of the salary, then I'll pay you for showing up a sixth of the time. But I can't, I can't do that. Like, you, you, you know, and the, the antics with the refs and the folly and take himself out. It's just, it's just too consistent for me um, to, to feel like I owe him an apology for wanting to him, wanting him traded. So, yeah. Well, and that's probably a good point for us to, to get to our next topic of conversation. And, and Mitch, for this one, I am going to throw some ISO ball to you here and let you talk a little bit about it. First, I'll set it up and then let you, uh, you, you do some work here. So, <laughs> Uh, topic number four in therapy is learning. And so I chose something for me specifically where I feel like not only do I need to learn how to manage this better, but I also think the team 
uh, being one of pretty consistently the NBA league leaders in techs going back for however many years needs to learn how to do this well. And that is the interaction with the referees. Speaking for myself, I spend way too much time texting about how bad calls were in a game and how the refs are out to get us. I'm not a conspiracy guy. I don't believe that, you know, there's Tim Donaghy situation going on in the NBA that there's, you know, that Adam Silver. I have a lot of receipts at... of text messages that would beg to differ. <laughs> not not big conspiracy where the league is like, you know, hey, let's get done. I my my belief on the referees is that I think that they um it's a it ends up being a relationship. I think that there's a personal relationship with the players, and I think most of the Timberwolves have burnt a lot of those bridges to the point that I I would argue I think there's unfair whistles that go towards certain players. I think Towns is one of them. And maybe this is where you'll disagree, but that is always my issues with the refs where it seems like they take it personally and they shouldn't um but this is where i would say maybe i have i have some learning to do so mitch when you think about the timberwolves and their interactions with the refs and this again bridges well with our conversation with towns and one of your criticisms of him what do we do about this like what do what 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 should fans do what do you think players should do on the court just this whole issues of referees and the refs you suck chance and all those things talk to me a little bit about what you think we can do about this I don't know. Like I said, it just feels a little soft to me sometimes where it's like something goes wrong and you, the first instinct is to look to blame somebody else. Um, and I just, I don't have a lot of patience for that or a lot of time for that because it feels <laughs> so, um, it feels like self-induced suffering to me. It leads to a less fun fan experience for me that, that I just don't have a lot of patience for, for talks about the refs. And again, we have a lot of texting back and forth where, where you try to bring it up and I just tell you to shut up. It's like, nope, we're not having that conversation. I'm not going to, no, like we're not going to do it. So I, I don't know. I think. Except for the Boston game this year. The Boston game, that was really bad. There was right? a, there was a Boston. Was yeah, that's yeah. right. And it yeah. stuck out because yeah, I, I, I think I told you, I was like, yep, the refs, the refs lost us that game. You know, yeah. it's funny. I. I think that was the game that I said, I'm not going to text about the refs because we were, it was later in the season. It's like, I, I do it too often, so yep. I'm going to be mature here. And I think that was, so I think I waited till after the game and I was like, so what'd you think of the refs? Yeah. <laughs> that game. And well, and, and again, yeah. right? Like that is going to happen. There's going to be blown calls. There's going to be blown yep. games. There's going to, it happens across all sports. I was just, just saw something on Twitter and it was going over like the Rams Bengals Super Bowl and this horrific call on third and goal that gave the Rams a Super Bowl basically. Right. And it's like, yeah. there's, the Saints pass interference call going into football. There's, you know, plays in the NBA where people are like out of bounds and the refs miss it. And, you know, it's like it happens all the time. It's going to happen. And so, like, for me, I think what I always say is like absolutely refs blow calls, 100%. I am unwilling to say in 99.9% of situations that like the refs decided an outcome of a game because of how it evens and ebbs and flows and stuff throughout the game, you're going to have runs where something bad happens and you get some makeup calls and this happens, but it's like, I refuse to believe, you know, for me, it's like, it just feels like such a cop out, I guess, to say like, Oh, we would have won that game at the refs. It's like, well then no, like go fix it, go be better, go be, even if the refs did miss some calls, be good enough, be disciplined enough, be, be professional enough to, to go win it anyways. That's not illegal. You know, to, to just like to, to have that adversity hit. And, you know, I, I think about the difference between Cat and Mike Conley on our team, or even Ant and Mike Conley, right? Ant is screaming, you know, respect the hay. Ant is screaming out and leading the league in techs, you know, as a team for the Timberwolves, but like Ant's right up there and stuff. And you have that, yeah. and it 
never works, question mark. I've never seen it work. I've never seen all of a sudden a ref do that, right? It's like if a coach after a game comes out and says something, maybe that's one thing. But what I have seen work is Mike Conley go over and be like, hey, talk, teach me, right? Like, what did you see? What did you see that that was a foul and stuff? And what did you, see, you know, like, like, this is what I would, this is what I saw. And like, can we, you know, have that dialogue and have that, you know, that feels productive. That feels like you're going to be better um, versus just these explosions of, of emotions and, and letting it, you know, knock you back on defense and all this stuff, um, you know, spending time under a basket yelling at a ref as opposed to getting... So anyways, it's, it's a long-winded answer, but it, to me it just, it, it reeks of immaturity, it reeks of, of lack of accountability, um, and that's, it's my own work that I go to my own therapy for outside of this, right, that I should, that I should work on. You don't need to be that way all the time um, where you want to try to be a superhero and you want to try to just fight through everything and, and, you, and all this stuff, but I don't know. I, as a fan, I definitely err that way um, to, to where I, I don't enjoy, I, I can't enjoy a team that, that has that as their personality, which is why I do have stretches of Timberwolves where it's like, I don't know if I can keep watching this team consistently when it just feels like a bunch of immature, complaining, feeling sorry for themselves, lazy team. I really, really struggle with that. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if that helps anything or if that's, or if that's, if that's helpful at all. But, but like I said, for me, it, it, it's yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you two questions. So one, based on this conversation, I'm assuming you are a huge proponent of refs. You suck chance. Love that's what, that's what the crowd. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Crowd they, needs they make to do a that ton of positive change. The refs. Yeah. Yep. It really helps the players <laughs> feel like it's on them to play better. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think yeah. I think those are I think those are ridiculous. I think that I mean again at, at games again if a ref has a bad call and they show it on the jumbotron, will I react? Sure. To your point, right? I think refs are not robots. Do you honestly think you know? To your point about coming to boo me at my place of work, if you had twenty thousand people saying how much you sucked or something, does that really the next time there's a fifty fifty call like? I, I, I have no affinity for this fan base. They're doing all this stuff. It's like, I don't think that we're going to intimidate refs into making the right call the next time as fans at all. So, I, yeah, I think I think those yeah. are pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Well, so here's here's the other question then. As, as fans, we talked about as players. I think you're right on from a, from a player mindset. Just look to Mike Conley. Be like Mike Conley and learn and see how he interacts, the respect that he shows, like the reason why he's such a respected player across the league. And why I love having him on this team, I think, for fans who are, do we look to Mike Conley as well? Do we basically say like, all right, how does how does Minnesota Mike interact with the refs, and that should more or less be our demeanor? Again, react, be loud for for moments. Feel free to feel free to boo and all those things. But is the correct demeanor just to be like, what would Minnesota Mike do? For this fan, yes. For me, for me, it is. I, I think. I mean, I think it depends, right? People watch sports for all different types of reasons and and stuff like that. But I, for me, I enjoy that grind a little bit, right? That leaning into it and stuff. And so, for, like I said, for me, I'd rather spend time, you know. Hey, you know, the, this guy got his third foul. Now, what do we do with our rotations? Okay, this guy's coming in. Who's a best answer for that and stuff, right? How, how do we go that? Or you know, again, it's. You know, I don't know. Cat got called for third moving screen of the game, offensive foul or what, or a charge or something. It's like maybe stop giving it to Cat 
on the on the nail for a second you know like like what else can we run what how else can we utilize a player of his gravity and his skill set that's you know now that he you know whatever it is so personally i think that's way more fun i think it allows me to think the game i think it helps me to remain engaged and stuff like that in the game where it's like how do we fix this or what would i do you know what would i say if i was the coach to to ant about this or whatever it is it's like that feels more fun to me than you know sitting there and wallowing and oh yeah that third foul call in the second quarter is still bugging me in the fourth quarter it's like get over it what are you doing like there's a game to watch now. There's a moment to be present in now. There's a fan to be now, not yeah. from an hour and a half ago. Um, so I don't know. I think I think that finding that balance of because you'll see Conley react, right? It's not he's not stoic out there, but it's always controlled enough that it's not hurting the team. And I guess I would say that as a fan as well. Yeah. I can react, but when it distracts me and takes me out of being a fan of the team and trying to be engaged in that moment, still, then I then I think it's it's self induced suffering that feels. It feels needless. Like it, like react, yeah. have your big feelings. <laughs> I about this with my seven-year-old all the time. Have your big feelings and react. <laughs> and then we got to move on. Like, like, like life doesn't work that way where we just get to sit and be stuck like that forever. Yeah. I think, I think that's actually some really wise and, and helpful advice. And I just know that one of these days, you know, if our friendship is ever going to come to a, you know, a burning, crashing end, it is going to be in the middle of one of these Timberwolves games where I send you the third referee text message <laughs> and then your number just, just blocked. Then, yep. then nothing more is going through. That's going to be it. That's going to be how, how this friendship ends. And it was, again, it was a good run. Oh, it was, it was beautiful. Was and that's how it needs to end. That's how we both would have wanted it to end. Uh, absolutely. All right. We got one more, one more step of therapy to go. I feel like we're making progress. I feel like I've learned and grown already. Uh, and we got, we got, uh, last one, the big one, the repair. So in this repair step, I basically want to push or present Mitch with a, a theory of something that I think that Minnesota, Minnesotans, maybe I shouldn't just say Minnesotans, Minnesota Timberwolves fans don't have to be from Minnesota, obviously plenty of international fans around, can can do to kind of embrace what it means to be a, a fan of this franchise um, going forward. So, Mitch, I want to ask you first. Do you remember back when Kevin Love was traded, there was a very popular video that um, was released about a Minnesota jersey burning of, of Kevin Love? Ooh, I don't know if I remember it specifically. I mean, I know the, I know the sentiment. I've seen it in other ones, but maybe not that one specifically. Yeah, so I'll, I'll post this video to Canis, but the, the sentiment of the video is basically like there, you know, I, I think it was Le- LeBron went to, to Miami, right? Cleveland fans burning his jerseys in the street and all that. And the sentiment behind the video was basically a bunch of Minnesotans who were kind of like, well, you know, Kevin's a nice guy. Like, do we do we have to burn him? Can we do like a ceremonial burning and like, you know, pretend to do this? And then it just ends with, you know, a ton of Minnesotans basically being like, oh, you know, good luck, Kevin. Like, good luck in, you know, in Cleveland. And to me, that, that video, when I think of what it means to be a Minnesota Timberwolves fan and the mindset that comes with being a franchise in Minnesota. But there is this element of just being true to yourself and being true to who you are. And when I think of Minnesota fandom in that video, I think that present something that is a true part of of us and how we cheer for teams do we all want to compete like michael jordan the no holds barred cutthroat everything is a competition i also would like throw in this example of a fan base right like philly fans we're gonna we're gonna boo your you know, your 90 year old grandma who's on the screen and give her death threats because all that matters is winning this game. Like winning is the only important thing. 
or is there another way to be to be a fan? And I guess the the alternate example that I want to give to you is is someone like Nikola Jokic, who after he won the NBA Finals, right, this life achievement. Yeah, this is a job. I you know I think he enjoys his basketball job, but he was far more excited to go back to his horses and go back to <laughs> go back home and and just be and just be you know be with his family and basically like yeah. I'm tired of this. Like this is a super long season. Can I get out of here and go and do these other things that I, that I love and like? And so, do you think that the the NBA fandom and maybe cities as we're cheering? Do you think that Michael Jordan is the only way to like truly win and be competitive, or do you think maybe as Jokic is showing, and you can maybe guess maybe a leading question? Do you think there's other ways to be to be a fan and to be be a competitor and to cheer for, in this case, we'll talk about the Timberwolves, but really we're talking about being a sports fan in general. I think for me, absolutely. I think there's more than one way. I think, you know, those Philly fans booing a, you know, booing a 90 year old grandma, they're just jerks. Like they're just bad people, (laughs) you know, like, I don't think that's about winning. I think that's just about, you know, being mean. Um, Can I, can I, can I tell a story real quick from my brother's bachelor party? He was, this made me think of it as you said that there no names are going to be dropped here, but he was basically telling me about friend of a friend of a friend who was at some of the wedding festivities. And this guy was just completely like hammered drunk, just a total, total jerk to everybody around him. And when he got confronted on it, he's like, Oh, I'm just from Philly. This is like, this is what we get to do. Cause we're from Philly. Like I can treat women this way. I can treat <laughs> this. And it's just like, Oh, that I don't think it works that way, bud. Nope. <laughs> no, <laughs> you you're just a, a jerk. Being from, yep. <laughs> you are just a huge jerk. Anyways, that made me think of that. That's but, funny. Uh, sorry to, sorry to interrupt. No, I, th- I think that, I think <laughs> that, um, that comparison to me as a fan is about like, there's a lot of ways to demand excellence. I don't think it needs to be all negative or all positive, right? Like you get, there's different coaching styles, right? You have the, you know, there's very successful coaches, you know, that like, it feels like, you know, I'm trying to think, you know, Phil Jackson is like super famous, right? For like, kumbaya, everyone's together, we're meditating together, we're doing a lot of, and he was like, you know, the most successful coach in NBA yeah. history, right? So there's tons of mental prep work, tons of just, yeah, being yeah. mentally ready and letting things go. And yeah. Yeah. And like positivity and like stuff like that. Like that's what we're going to be about is, you know, and stuff like that. Um, and so I guess I would, I would argue that like, and the reason that he was so successful was because he was that way and then he had Jordan. So let me, let me present this to you and then we'll, I think we'll wrap after this. So I'm kind of having a running theory about the importance of a team's best player setting the example and kind of raising out of the fan base like how again not that everybody needs to be uniform but that the best player can actually set the example within the fan base for in terms of like how you cheer how you um yeah I think your involvement in it and so going back to the Kevin Love video uh, that that was made i think at that time a franchise that was losing was now trading their best player to continue losing like i think the the best picture of the fandom was to have this really self-effacing humor where you're making fun of yourself you understand you know who our franchise is and what you've been and i think that there is was that really important element to that i do think that anthony edwards is becoming this really necessary like balm or healing ointment in the sense of can begin to retrain the fan base in terms of how to be involved you know, not necessarily maybe specifically how to cheer, but their involvement. 
what, what do you think? Of, what do you think of that theory? That's just my my running theory as we're getting to the end here and thinking about like what when we think about the the level of you know toxicity that at least the fan base experienced last year. Is that a, is that a decent theory to throw out there? A decent pitch to have is to basically look to your team's franchise and best player and allow that player's personality to begin to to shape. Or for you more older and jaded fans like myself and maybe you as well, begin to teach you how to re-engage in a different way. I think that you almost just have, it feels almost lucky to me. Like you almost just have to get lucky with like a fan base and a player at the right time and the right mentality and stuff like that. And, um, and I think there's cycles of fandom for me where it's like, you, know, you get excited and then kind of that new toy looks old and not as fun. You look to the next thing and the next thing, and then you're just really looking for that as a, as a sports fan. It's like that one team that's really going to be it. And so I don't know. I think, I think that that would be ideal is like you find a player, but I, I don't know. I, I guess I would say, I don't know that it needs to be your best player. That would be the, my only pushback. It's like, I agree that like you need to find kind of this, I don't know. You, 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 uh, a northern light. Yeah, like <laughs> like you, you need you need to find this this you know connection on the team with somebody and kind of emulate you know and like I think it's one of the reasons I loved like I I love some of the players that I really like. You know, we did our twelve favorites already, but it's like that combination of like I can love Ricky and I can love Patrick Beverly and I can love you know because they're genuine and it strikes something within me that like yeah I do want to be like that like I want to be more and more like that and so I think. Ant is just a really interesting one because I think he can smile and laugh and and be kind of that childhood joy of basketball. And once in a while, he can snarl at you and he can flex on you and he can, you know, like yeah. he can he can dominate and he can take over. And it doesn't have to be all one way or all the other, which is kind of, I think, maybe a good understanding for me and, and, and for you as we're talking about this is like. Do you, do you think it goes at all beyond just individuals though or more to to like a connection with a city or a franchise at a at a certain time so that because that would be more my theory thing is that there is something special going on with this player in this city in the same way in a generational way like there was with kg and and the city and i would say ant is the only one who has connected with this franchise and the fans of the franchise um, in the way that KG did. And that's a, you know, that's a big gap. That's, you know, 25 years. So it doesn't just come, come by every, I don't know. I, I think that that is, I think that that maybe is just more like the reason that Ant connects with us and the way that KG connected with us and stuff in those big ways is, I don't know, just being good, like actually being really good. Like, I'm, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I think that that's, maybe that's too cynical, but it's like, I think there's a lot of people with great personalities and haven't changed a damn thing about the fandom. <laughs> but it's like when you finally get that glimpse and that maybe is is the difference of, you know, you go to a team like the Lakers or Boston or, I don't know, Miami. You know, it's like like some of these teams that have won a lot recently, you know, and like have recent championships and stuff. I could imagine those fans like not latching on so strongly to like somebody that we think could take us to the promised land. For So for me, I don't know if it's as much about personality and stuff as it's just about like, Oh my God, they're so good. Like, what if, hmm. you know? And so I think maybe that, because I feel like, you know, they did it, Ant and KG do it very, very different ways, but they both resonated. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe that's too cynical, but, or, or not that helpful for the conversation, <laughs> but. Yeah, no, not at all. I, it is really fun to watch KG, 
really begin to build up Ant from afar. Like there's a lot of lot of social media interaction going on between those two lately, which you know my my Timberwolves fan heart is you know leaps with that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, well, we did it. We went to therapy together. Um, I feel great. That <laughs> feels so much better after going to therapy. How are you doing over there? <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm noticing, I think, right. I'm, I'm, I'm noticing myself and noticing areas that, yeah, just even going into this season, right. It's like, you know, setting an intention for the season. It's like, you know, is there, is there a way to, to, to be different as a fan and stuff? Is there things that I, I want to be more about? I know we've talked about in the past. It's like, you know, that that positivity and that hope and stuff i think i think having that goldfish mentality of like you know and, and I, I kind of that and and watching it with my son is a big deal too where it's like all right i'm 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 getting some of that again where it's like yeah you know you are right next game could be a game that ant drops 50 we don't know that could be so yeah. fun we should be really excited for that game <laughs> The Wolves could genuinely come back from a 3-0 deficit against Denver. I still believe that. I was We were chanting Wolves in, Wolves in 7 after Game 4, and I meant it. I, I truly meant yeah. it. I believe after Game 4, I was chanting Wolves in 6, just because I'm actually <laughs> a super right. fan. But yeah, <laughs> That's that's true. You you thought they could do it in 6 yep, after, I, I after did. being done. So, no, I think, I think that there is, um, yeah. I think talking about how we're fans is, like, new to me. It's always just been kind of the way that I've been. Um but then interact with more and more people that do it. It's also, yeah, like having that, having that gentleness a little bit in myself, even not be so rigid of like, no, this is the right way to do it. It's like, well, no, like, what if I'm a fan? Like my son's a fan. What if I'm a fan? Like my brother's a fan. What if my fan's like, you're a fan or, you know, whatever it is, it's like, there's different ways mm-hmm. to do it. And, and, um, and I think it all works and it's fun to do together. So. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Well, Probably about that time. We've been going for for a little while now. Before before we we say goodbye, I do want to. We mentioned Ricky Rubio a few times, and I'm I'm sure you read the news. Like I didn't mention that Ricky's yeah. taken taking a season off to to take care of some stuff with his mental health. It sounds like, and so just want to give a shout out, send some love, you know, to Ricky's way as a Timberwolves fan. Uh, wish for him so much of the joy that he brought us, you know, during his time here while he's taking a season off. That whatever whatever he's taking a break for, you know, we just wish him well and wish him wish him some joy out there in Spain. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that's. I think that. You know, he he mentioned mental health stuff, and I just I don't know almost anybody that isn't significantly impacted by that in some way, shape, or form, and, and people that they know. And it's, um, yeah, just just sending love to Ricky. Um, genuinely, genuinely hope that he finds rest and he finds um, what he's looking for and stuff. And yeah, I, I both as because. I loved him so much as a player and as a fan stuff, but just human to human, I, that's that's such a hard and lonely feeling to be. And so I'm I'm proud of him. Um, you know, not that he needs me to be proud of him, but I am proud of him for taking the time <laughs> and 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 being able to be vocal that way. The more people that do that and take it seriously, and we've seen it so much in sports recently, I think. And I'm so so happy for it. I'm so happy that my kids are growing up in an environment where that happens, um, and and allows us to be honest and open and vulnerable about those things because they're such big deal so love you ricky get what you need get help when you need it ask for help um yeah 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 couldn't agree more so in honor and honor of ricky we'll we'll close with our our same line as always so we hope everybody has a great week change your face be happy 